If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But I got you your favorite. You did. Thank you. Mm -hmm. In 1950, <laughs> okay, first I'm going to die. In 1958, Mary Jackson became the first female. Jesus Christ, you guys, I You're quit. You're doing so good. Clearly just need to go home. I love this. How goes it? It goes, it goes, it goes. How goes it for you? It goes. It goes. I'm unexcited about today being Monday. You know, yeah, but we have a fantastic episode coming out this week. So We do. I'm not mad that it's Monday. True. I'm really not. Hey guys. Welcome back. Welcome back to Taboos. We are so excited to have you. We are so pleased if you survived the first week of No Fucks Given November and you came back for seconds. Welcome. Congratulations there. I don't know. Maybe we can make t-shirts. I survived No Fucks Given November and all I got was a shitty t-shirt. You know, if you guys would be interested in that, I'm here for it. I, I really am. Just let us know on one of our socials if that would be something that you guys are, are interested in and we will make it happen. Woo woo. You can reach us at Taboos the Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can reach us at Taboos on Facebook. And our email is taboospodcast at gmail.com. That is T-A-B-O-O-Z-E podcast at gmail.com. Showing your support for the podcast goes is reviewing and sharing us with people. And we've seen it just grow so much lately and we're so appreciative absolutely and also like just a special shout out to some other podcasters who share us like religiously huge 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 shout out to dads on dayquil like we we love you guys even though you sort of make fun of us in your episodes sometimes we love it we're here for it thank you guys so much yeah you guys are amazing you already knew that but but we're here telling you again i don't want to give you guys any bigger heads than you already have <laughs> My favorite part about their showdown episode was when they were talking about going golfing and they're like, we should send dick pics to taboos except just be us in golf cart. Because <laughs> they specifically say don't ever send us dick pics. And I was like, I fucking hate you guys. My favorite thing is how AJ's Wisconsin accent is somehow just the most fucking Uber <laughs> accent ever. Fargo and Canadian. And I'm like, bro, that's not even Wisconsin. Like, I don't know what just happened here. We also want to call a thank you to Page Turners and Button Mashers. Page Turners and Button Mashers. And Film Rage and Revy True Crime and Geese Bumps and literally everybody else and that nope I'm forgetting. Bell. Shout oh, out to nope Oh my God, how could I forget I you know, guys? I don't know, because you're the worst. I seriously am. It's Fine. I need a handy dandy notebook. And now I can be your favorite because clearly Allie doesn't deserve it. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
Oh, by the way, guys. Hi, I'm Allie. Hi, I'm Celeste. If, if you haven't yeah, caught if you're on, new here, <laughs> welcome to Taboos. You know, I hope that our intro uh, really, really gave you a good impression of who we are and what we've got going on and just how much fun and silly and weird is happening on this side, along with some beverages, some alcoholic beverages. Allie, would you like to share with our listeners what you're drinking today? I'm drinking a delicious Johnny Blood Red that you got for me, one of my favorite beverages. Thank you so much. It's, you are so welcome. It's from Titletown Brewery. It is. It is indeed. And I am drinking a New Glarus Staghorn. Shout out once again to New Glarus. I am really considering just never giving a shout out to New Glarus again if they don't find us and at least like retweet something of ours <laughs> for all of the shout outs we give them. But I do love Staghorn. It is... Uh, it, it's an October beer. It is. It's an Oktoberfest beer and I bought it in the month of October. So I'm just feeling a little fallish, a little festive, even though October's over. And now we're in No Fucks Given November. No Fucks Given November. With that beautiful segue, what's our topic for today? Today, we are going to talk about drum roll, black women. And I think that this is a taboo topic because it is of my humble opinion that black women are the most undervalued subgroup in society in this country. I really think that. I really feel that. And we're going to talk about why I think that and feel that. I love this plan. Additionally, today, we have some very, very special guests. Not just my special guest notebook, which will be here as today is my episode, but we have some beautiful, wonderful, amazing women who will be joining us for today's episode to offer some perspective and some insight and some experience that Allie and I just can't talk about. Because as you heard last week in our white privilege episode, Allie and I are white women. Bum, bum, bum. I don't think that was a reveal to anybody. It wasn't surprising. There was no bum, bum, bum moment. Okay, I take back the bum, bum, bum. But in case you didn't know, Allie and I are white women and we can't speak to the issues and the problems and the systemicness and the experiences of black people or black women. And we're just not even going to try. So we're going to go grab our super special, super amazing special guests and we will be right back. Ladies, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Hello. welcome. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Thank you. Hello. You are so welcome. Uh, so, Miss Taisha, we will start with you. Welcome to our podcast. Would you like to tell everybody just a little tiny bit about yourself? Well, I'm from Wisconsin. My name is Taisha. Um, I have a small business called Exotic Kiss. Um, I have three kids, two boys and one girl. Awesome. Love that. And Miss Dana, would you like to introduce yourself and share with us just a little something about you? Sure. I'm also from Wisconsin, but I currently reside in Florida. Uh, I've got four kids, all grown. Uh, so I'm a little bit older. I, I used to think of it as taboo or taboos, but it, it actually is kind of nice now to be able to actually say that I'm older because I've learned so much more um, in life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I want to go to somebody with wisdom, please, because I have none. I also have none. <laughs> I, I listen 
I listen to a lot of young people now and I'm like, I hear myself 25 years ago when I was hanging out and, you know, being 25 or being 30. So I get it. I get it. You know, a lot of, a lot of older people don't get it partially probably because I still think I'm young too, but. Well, you don't look a day over 30, so. Agreed. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) They're funny. So ladies. Are you ladies drinking anything tonight? We already went over what we were we drinking did. with each other, but we would love to know what you're drinking. We would. What kind of beer are you drinking, Miss Dana? I'm drinking a a, a a bush tonight. Ooh. Nice. Love bush light. Miss Taisha, what are you drinking today? Oh, my God. I'm drinking Hypnotic and Hennessy. Ooh, Ooh, nice. I think they call it the Incredible Hawk. The Incredible Hawk. Yeah. So I think that's what they call I it. I love that. Oh, my God. Bed. Ooh. See, everybody loves to. Get it, girl. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you again, ladies, for joining us and having this taboo conversation and a drink with us. We are so, so, so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. This episode is such a big deal to me. So thank you so much. Agreed. Yes, definitely. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we always start with a definition. So the definition of black women, when I looked, this is what I got. Black women are of sub-Saharan African and Afro-diasporic descent. The term black woman is both multifaceted in a literal identity and a social construct with different meanings in different places. I thought that was a pretty decent, very politically correct answer. Is it dumb of me? Is it dumb of me to like not realize that there would be a definition? Well, there's a definition for almost everything nowadays, so. Yeah, I suppose. That was, yeah, how can you have a definition for a black woman? Like, well, it's just like, what's the definition of a black woman? Oh, this is the definition. Like, who's going to actually go through and look for a definition of a black woman? Like, when I look at a black woman, I look at a definition of a black woman as, yeah, uh, my mother. You know what I mean? Like, these are full women as a black woman. You know, yep. like, I don't know, I just look at it different. Like, I look up to, like, my mother figure, figure. It's my grandma, like, that's a black woman. You know what I mean? Like, I understand I'm a black, too, but no, that is a black woman because she lived this life. She lived this life already, and she's here to direct us now to turn yep. into black women. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Now, at the start of that, that definition that you were given, I was a little thrown off because I guess it was too, a little bit too scientific. <laughs> I hear that. But once you got to toward the end, it broke it down and it is true. We are multifaceted. We yep. are a little bit of everything and we're not recognized for that enough. I think we're a lot of everything, really. You don't have a black woman, you don't have anything. I agree. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. I'm so excited. Oh my god. She just busted out finger guns. I did, guns. I just finger gunned at you guys because I'm that excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Oh, hey, handy dandy notebook. I know. So why are we talking about black women in the sense of a taboo concept? It's my position that what is taboo about black women is that they are the most undervalued subgroup in the American society, and no one talks about it. Black women are incredibly powerful, beautiful, and valuable to our society, and yet as a society, not only do we not treat them that way, They aren't viewed that way as a group 
in our society. And that really fucking pisses me off. Well, here's something that I'm going to get wrong statistically, but (laughs) I can't wait for that. But it is a, a statistic that's out there. Black women are, I won't even put a statistic on it, actually. Black women have a much higher mortality rate during child labor than any other race. Mm -hmm. And there's no no reason for it. And, like, stuff like that is not discussed. No, I agree. And I do have those statistics, so I love that you jumped to that because I have those actual numbers. Absolutely. So... The next step that we're going to talk about, I just want to fly through really quickly because this should be pretty common knowledge, and yet I don't think it's common knowledge at all. So let's just kind of get through our history a little bit, and then we can get to the good stuff, the fun stuff, because this stuff isn't going to be the fun stuff, and it usually never is. Like, really, is the history really ever the good part of our taboo conversations? Okay, I love history. I just like learning, so thank you. I, I agree with I that. I mean, but sometimes the history sucks, but I still prefer to learn it. I think really why the history sucks, though, is because there's so much bad shit that got us to the point that we don't even talk about this anymore. I agree. So. But we still need to learn it. I also think it's how it's presented. Agreed. I agree. I agree with that. That's a great point, Dana. Thank you. So I want to kind of go back, way back, way back in time. Let's hop in our time machine and just take a little trip. Um, And we are going to go back to where the concept of black women, in my opinion, being deemed as like the least valuable group in our society, which really starts with slavery, like point blank period. That's where it started. According to 13.org, this was so much information and I'm honestly just going to read pieces of this article that were so valuable to my thought process and that I really wanted to share with you guys as as I was formulating like truly where does this come from because if you google search like why are black women undervalued in our society you don't get anything for results because nobody wants to talk about it so I kind of made this hypothesis myself and I'm very curious once we talk about the history and and what I found if you guys kind of align with where I'm coming from in identifying that underlying tone of the reason why black women are so undervalued and underappreciated in our society. So here we go. This article said the slave owner's exploitation of the black woman's sexuality was one of the most significant factors differentiating in the experience of slavery for males and females. The white man's claim to the slave's body male and female, was inherent in the concept of slave trade, specifically in regard to the way slaves were presented and auctioned. Captive Africans were stripped of their clothing, oiled down, and poked and prodded by potential buyers. The erotic undertones of such scenes were particularly pronounced in the case of black women. Throughout the period of slavery in America, white society believed that black women were innately lustful beings because the ideal, quote-unquote, white woman was quote-unquote pure and quote-unquote modest to the degree of prudishness the perception of the african woman was hypersexualized that made her both the object of a white man's abhorrence and his fantasy i want to pause right there for just one second i truly think that that is where the concept of fetishizing fetishitizing i don't even know if that's a word yeah fetishizing fetishizing i don't know we're making it we're making up words right now but that's where the concept of fetishizing a race is racism Mm -hmm. 
like the idea of having any race be put in this like very specific sexualized bubble I think started here. Uh, absolutely. I have to agree with that. Awesome. Okay. Well, I feel like I'm on a good track then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to agree with that. I mean, it's it's evident in the fact that, like you said, they're, they're aberrant and they're, they're fetish. Mm-hmm. Their aberrant came from never seeing. As you said, white women were looked at as almost prudish, mm-hmm. uh, minimal, as far as physical traits go. Whereas black women, depending on what where you're from, what tribe you're from, where you live, because all of that plays a part, you could be very voluptuous. And they had never seen anything like that. So it was while it was like, oh my God. It was like, oh my God. You know what I mean? I do. But they're also really curious too at the same time. Yeah. Very, very curious. Very curious. And that's why they say, uh, what, what was that word? Um, fetish, like, okay, like a white man now, I think, okay, so I dance for entertainment. Entertainment. I'm a dancer, I'm an exotic dancer, but I'm very good, I'm a pole dancer. So are we, we love that. <laughs> so as me being in this industry, and then I've sat with hundreds of men from all races, but it got to a point that I got you know, like, I really had to start opening up to these people, got to know these people, and, like, white men are very, like, they're curious. It's, it seems like white men nowadays are more attracted to the black women. I feel like back in the day, they were attracted, but they couldn't say they were attracted to these, they had, it's a fetish, like, a, a white man. Because it was taboo. Has fetish. Yeah. So it's yep. like now. Welcome to taboos. <laughs> so I think nowadays, like, it was um like black men a lot of black men don't want to be with black women why but the white men want to be with all the black you know what i mean like so like they just don't want anybody to know it (laughs) right which i think speaks to this concept that black women are so undervalued like why would it why should it be i have some more history that might shed some light to that theory but like seriously like we can ask that question why should it be a secret if you're attracted to black women like well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Black women are fucking beautiful. Well, like, I mean, attraction to anybody shouldn't true. have to be a secret. It shouldn't. But, but specifically here, we're talking about yeah. black women. Society stigmatizes. But it's learned. It's learned behavior. It's learned behavior that ties into the racism. Yeah, it's how you grew up. You know, they mm-hmm. they You're were right. they were. It, it's funny because, like, you know, I guess later on in history, if you help black people if you liked black people in any shape form or fashion you were considered a nigger lover or this that or that. <laughs> but 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 the slave owners weren't called that they weren't you know deemed that when they were having sex with these slaves it wasn't the same thing they didn't view it it's not viewed as the same thing because like you said they were considered property like we weren't we weren't real things that's such an interesting perspective mm-hmm. like yeah to what you're saying dana there was no emotion attached to it so you couldn't be you couldn't be affectionate with this person it was literally just an act uh, because they were objectified so drastically. Exactly. Yeah, that just blew my mind. Exactly. So from the very beginning, there was no emotion involved to even feel empathy, apathy, or anything for what 
our plight in any shape, form, or fashion. So it's like if they were to, like you said, use someone as an object that was fine back then, but once they crossed the line into affection, that's when it became a, oh no, you can't do that. Fuck that. Jesus, God, I hate history. Treating people like objects is totally fine, but the minute you catch feelings, it's like you're terrible. Taboo. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I love that we explored that. I mean, I don't love that it ever existed, but I love that we explored that. So the next thing that the article talked about that I thought was really, really interesting and a very stereotypical perspective is also addressed in this article in relation to the history that I pulled from this. So I'm going to pick up there. For the most part, masters made young single slave women the objects of their sexual pursuits. However, they did on occasion rape married women. The inability of the slave husband to protect his wife from such violent points to another fundamental aspect of the relationship between the enslaved men and enslaved women. This paternalistic language of slavery, the restrictions of slave law, and the circumstances of slave life created a sense of parity between black wives and their husbands, but also future state. I think there is a correlation there between black men and black women now that has just sort of evolved to be this like inherent thing that like what I'm saying is in layman's terms to take that out of the articulating it from the article's perspective, how I processed that was the stereotype that black men are not in their households, right? That black women are single because black men can't stick around or don't stick around because they're dogs see you know what and (laughs) you would think i would be the first person to absolutely agree with her but actually i don't I, i once again i think it's a learned behavior okay now even way back then it was always the idea to separate because if you can separate you can defeat and that's where i was going if you don't have this black man in the home defending what is his family and what is his, then you don't have a chance, you know what I'm saying? Then you have a shot to break down this same black woman that you think even less of than this black man. Well, yeah, okay, so yeah. You're right, Dana, yeah. My mind is literally just like- Allie's over here like- Yeah, my mind is just literally (laughs) like fucking on the wall over there right now. Dana, you're right. So like, yeah, I grew up with both my parents. You know, my parents, I grew up as my grandma took care of us. Right. Nowadays, you don't see grandmas taking care of their grandkids. It, I, don't, I don't see it. Our, grandma, our parents worked, so our grandma took care of us. Took care of us. So, but I, that's how I grew up. So now as I'm growing, as I'm growing now, and then like having my kids, I made a choice that, you know what I mean? Like if I can't have both two parents, two parents raised in the household, I'm not going to force that dad or force another man to ever take care of my kids. I know I made the choice. I made the choice of laying down and having these kids. Okay. And also I made the choice of being with someone who may not be, be there, been there like, I made a choice, like, I, when I left that hospital, I have no choice but to take care of these kids. I made these kids. I can't force no one to take care of these kids. Okay, I do that now. But at the end of the day, of me taking care Absolutely. of my kids, like, now, 
I just, I'm not at that stage. I can't have men running in and out my life or running in and out my house. Absolutely. And I, I respect you for being that mom. I Real. do respect you because a lot of moms aren't like that. You have a lot of uh, moms, period, across the, the, the racial board that are not like that. Agreed. So I absolutely respect that because that's my train of thought too. What, I, what I'm saying is the reason that you got to that place is because of history and because of a learned behavior. Right. So, like I said, way back then they 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 caused dissension. If you can break if you can exclude this black man out of this household, you can break down this black woman. It it evolved even further into the the I want to say maybe the 1920s or 1930s when welfare was started, which was initially started for white people. But Black people at some point were able to take advantage of this. Okay, so they did. Yes. Once you get on welfare, you can't have a man in your household. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You, you could not have a man in your household. If you want these benefits, honey, you got to live in this household and you got to raise these kids by yourself. That's so true. That right there put a wedge between the Black man and the Black woman. So much so to the point where it pushed, it edged out the black man into the street, into drugs, into crime, into, okay, well, I, ain't, I don't got a hustle and I don't got a job. So now I'm finna prey on a black woman that's got this, that, and the third because I can do that. So, and that even evolved, and that evolved. Even, yeah, but black women ain't really standing for that now. And that, but that even evolved even further into what we see in society today. And I think that that's so important. Right. But society today is way different. Today is way different because a lot of black men, like now it's just like they don't, like black men now, like, yeah, they think being with a white woman is a freelance. Like they don't have to do shit. You were driving around in that bitch's shit and doing all this and you don't have to do nothing, but you then you can go fuck on the next and do the next. Like with a black woman, no, because right. nigga, I will you haunt know. you down. Like this is not, you're not just going to do what you do to a white woman. So when it comes to a black bitch being like, hey, a nigga knows when they know, know not to play with a black but bitch. It, like, but it got to that point. I, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I swear, I swear to God, I don't. But it got it got to that point because they had worked us over so much they had to move on. That's okay. You know, and then at some point it, you weren't even allowed to even fuck with a with a white woman. Yeah. Back in the seventies, it was it was even when I moved just from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Green Bay. When I moved to Green Bay, it was nineteen ninety two. It was a handful. You could count on one hand the black people that was in Green Bay, and one none of them fucking with a white girl. Excuse my friend. I love well, your friend. I'm fucking with no white girls, but eventually, yeah. <laughs> eventually, you know, this <laughs> one told a cousin, and this one told a brother, and it, you know, it, it it trickled down. And 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 believe me, honey, the white girls was waiting at the border with that that Green Bay. They was waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> they was waiting for them. I ain't gonna lie to you. I, I lost <laughs> mine to a, to a few of them. So, hey. <laughs> Girl, I know. It is what it is. So, you know, now it's just like, it, it is fuck you niggas, saying. fuck you bitches. You know, I, I bullshit I aside, fuck. though. Right. You know, it, 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 it just trickled down from, it's a learned behavior because back in the 60s and 70s, when, like I said, when, when, when welfare was very, very prevalent in the, in the ghetto, 
again, you couldn't have any uh, man standing in your household. So, like I said, it pushed everybody, pushed them all out into the street, into drugs, into all kinds of things, and just put a wedge between them and, 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 and took the black man out of the home where he wasn't able to raise his kids in the way that he should have been able to raise his kids and take care of his family. And so the behavior just evolved. Dana, you specifically were talking about in the 60s and 70s and that divide that was created by the welfare system, which I think was so, 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 so important. And thank you for sharing that. It actually, in my research, the divide of household actually goes back a lot farther. And I, I'm very curious as like my little gears are turning, if the concept of welfare was put in place to continue the behaviors that were created during slavery, which were to separate a man and his wife because they were separate pieces of property, right? So you could take a husband away from his home and his wife and his family and then the black woman was left to take care of these children on her own and to your point dana they were they were more vulnerable because they were just by themselves taking taking care of these kids but also taking care of the house taking care of whatever duties they had as a slave so then i'm sitting here thinking as you were talking about how welfare just perpetuated that constant drive of pushing black fathers out of the house or or just black men out of the house or and the lives of black women i'm really curious if that was just like a political ploy the whole fucking time absolutely well another thing with welfare was that it specifically it specifically benefited certain aspects of society as far as what you did for a job yeah so um for instance roles that black people had in the in the era the roles that they had in factories or agriculture sure those didn't benefit from welfare they weren't initially part of the welfare plan so yeah they were specifically not part of the plan that's so fucked up you guys like really looking at like the historical equation of like we found that this works in making black women susceptible to whatever as a society we've decided they should be susceptible to like that's so fucked up well I, it's not i can't tell you how many times my kids probably got in trouble because you know around thanksgiving time <laughs> i know when i was a kid i was all gung-ho for the thanksgiving story how the pilgrims and the you know, New Englanders or whoever the hell they were. White folks. <laughs> Those colonizers over there. You know, came over and they had a wang dang duel of a time and they feasted and this, that, and the third. And it was all bullshit. Like, it was literally uh-huh. bullshit. Like, it was literally a fucking lie. I'm sorry, fuck that French. It was literally a fucking lie. And I felt angry and hurt that they had lied to me about something you know like are you freaking kidding me i was an adult before i found out what what actually happened same i was an adult yep Mm -hmm. but you could say that about your culture too so like do you guys have examples when you were this is out of order but i really am curious and especially because we're talking about history 
Do you guys have any examples of Eurocentric education that you experienced in like a school setting that directly contradicted the history that you knew about your people because of your family and like how you were taught your culture? Yeah, we were taught, we were taught we're all one, regardless of what color, what, whatever, we are all one. Um, that's not taught. Now, I can say that when I was five, because I grew up in Door County, and we were the first black family there in fucking Door County for 10 fucking years. I legit was five years old. I think I was like five or six. One morning, like when you walk and what, where we stayed at, we stayed in like, like our house was on top of the hill, but where our house was, there's a park behind us, like a park that people go play at. And then there's like bathrooms. I remember walking to our back patio and there's like three crosses burned on our lawn at like six o'clock in the morning. So like our parents were like, what the fuck? Like our parents, like our parents knew what the shit was. And, but so as they're like, as grown up, like our parents explained to us, like, what the fuck this was like, this is not right. This is like, our parents legit like taught us history, but it didn't really hit me till this year. Yeah. Like everything that was going on with George, like every, all the racism and shit that was going on didn't hit me till this year. Like I legit, when I left Surgeon Bay, I left Surgeon Bay when I was 17. I left that place taunted. I left that place. I was so bitter. I was so like, I was, I was legit like just corrupt just because like it was so racism. It was so much shit we dealt with as kids. And like, once I got out of that place, I never went back. I remember I was like in high school, like a freshman. I don't know. I was hanging out with the white bitches, listening to white bitches, playing with white bitches. I was on my back porch with a couple girls and the... I end up playing the Ouija board. You know, you cannot play the Ouija board being a nigga. You cannot do that. Your parents are not, bitch, you fucked up. Like, I'm about to beat your ass. Grandma about to beat your ass. Like, stop fucking playing with me. Now we got to go to fucking church. Now we got to fucking clean out our motherfucking house, bitch, because you brought the fucking devil in our motherfucking house. Like, bitch, bitch, I swear to God. So, like, when I left out of that place, like, I left out of that place, it shook me. Every time I went to Sturgeon Bay, I the newest of times I went to Sturgeon Bay after 17, it shook me. When I seen that door County inside, it gave me the chills. It gave me, like, goosebumps. Like, it gave me a bad vibe. This year, all that shit that went on with George Floyd and how we protest, I went up to Sturgeon Bay. I spoke up there. And, like, let these people know, like, you guys fucked us up. Y'all felt like just because we were different colors, it was okay to burn stop to burn crosses on our lawn just because we were a different color. You thought that was okay. You guys thought that your kids come to school and calling us niggers, that's what's okay. What's and amazing we had to accept is that, that back then. What's amazing is that you're not even that old. And, and that happened. Just for our listeners, how old are you ladies? Can you, can you share that with us? Oh my God, I just turned 30. I think I just turned 35 like a week and a half ago. 35. Right, right. She 35, just turned yeah. 30. But it just tells you, like... She just turned... Exact. 35. I'm 49. My, I'm 49. My, my, my mama. Like, I'm only 35. That, that's how old my mama is. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people don't understand, like, when you get to an area, like, with all whites, that shit is really true. Like, that... Like, back then... They fucked us up. And being my mom, my dad, and my grandma, if it wasn't for my 
parents, like our parents had a legit, like they had to do it 10 times harder. They had to work 10 times harder for us to fit in. So people wouldn't call us out our names or for people would make fun of us. Like what? I respect that. See, um, that's not my experience. Um, and, and that's crazy. I, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the block that I was born and raised on, we had white people, we had Jewish people, we had Mexicans, we had Puerto Ricans, and we all grew up on this one block. My best friend that me and her potty trained on the same potty chair together was a white girl. So I never had the, and my, my grandmother was the most sweetest, most beautifulest lady. I know beautifulest is not a word, but she was just the, the most amazing woman that you could ever cross paths with. And she made sure that I was a very loving soul and I, that I am. So I never experienced, the whole time I grew up in Milwaukee, I never experienced racism. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was aware to an extent, but I had never really ventured to where it was white folks at. So I never had to have an experience where I was discriminated against. And I moved to Green Bay. I fit in just nicely. And, and don't get me wrong, I love white girls. Shit, they party. Y'all know how to fucking party. <laughs> Let me tell you, I learned how to party with some of the best of them. But I met some really beautiful people there at the same time. One of my really, really good friends, her mom lives up in Cribbage. Y'all know, y'all yep. from up there. Y'all know. Very crickets. familiar. White people. Ain't, ain't no uh, yep. niggas in All you had to say was crivets. <laughs> ain't no niggas in crivets. <laughs> but uh, my first, my very first, honest to God, my very first experience with racism, I was probably 25 years old. We were in crivets uh, for like Labor Day or something like that, Memorial Day maybe. And we had went up there with my friends mom her mom and her mom's husband live up there white folks good white folks um and they had invited us up so we go up and it's me my girlfriend is she's half native and she's half white but she looks like she's white i got another friend who's full native and she looks like pocahontas (laughs) or at least she did at the time when we were 25. (laughs) um but we so the three of us drove up we went up there, we're hanging out, we're at a bar, you know, and my friend, she she always was full disclosure. I'm like, girl, I don't give a fuck, shit, let's go. <laughs> so we go, and we're in this bar, and this guy that my friend went to high school with, we were kind of attracted to each other, white guy. So we're just, we're standing at the bar, but we're, you know, you, you know how you're close, and you're kind of in, leaning in, talking. This was pre-social distancing. Absolutely. Pre-social distancing. <laughs> 90s, by the way. But, you know, we're kind of leaning in, talking to each other over a drink or whatever, standing at the bar. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this white lady, like, jugging the fuck out of her husband with her elbow. So I turn, you know, to see what the fuck is going on. Because <laughs> she's jugging too hard. Um, you know, it might be something coming. I need to run. <laughs> whatever the case may be, I look. But she's 
intrigued, I guess, sure. <laughs> at the fact that him and I are so close in each other's face talking. And so that was the first time that I was like, oh, so we're not supposed to do this. Oh, that's so fucking sad mm-hmm. and disgusting. It was hilarious. It, but it, I laughed so fucking hard because it was, uh, <laughs> it was the first time, like I said, it was the first time I experienced it. And I guess I didn't get um, the venom. I, I didn't understand it at still. At that point, I didn't understand it. And I think that's why it was so funny to me then. Because I laughed my fucking ass off. Now, again, I'm 49. That was, I was 25 then. So I'm 49 now. And to see that, like, I had a shitty experience for the, the day I got to Florida. The day, I'm sorry. I know I'm taking no, up a lot of time. No, you're fine. You're doing amazing. Day, the day I got to Florida, okay, so the next day, I got here at night, I went to sleep, I woke up, me and my mom and my grandboys go to Dollar Tree, we go to pull in a parking spot, there's a truck sitting there, but the passenger door is open, they see us, they pull the door closed, my mom sat there, she waited, she didn't say anything, I didn't say anything, they pulled the door closed, she pulled in, she parked, she got out, and she went in the store with one of my grandsons. My other grandson's in the backseat sleep, and I'm sitting in the front seat on the phone with my daughter. I'm fresh in Florida. It's my first day here. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. I'm talking to my daughter on the phone. Lady comes out of the store. I see her get in to the passenger side. I mean, the, I'm sorry, the driver's side of this truck. So I see her lean forward. She's talking to, you know, the people that are in the truck. I'm, I'm oblivious. I'm not paying any attention because I'm on the phone, minding my business. She leans over and said, yeah. Fucking nigger. <laughs> Again, I laugh. That's always my first thing to do when I hear that is to laugh because I never want to let them know that it got to me. I guess it's the subconscious. I mean, it's a defense mechanism for yourself, so that totally makes sense. Absolutely. I leaned over, I rolled the window down, and I said, you know, something to the effect of that's all you got, or you, that, that's all you can come up with, or whatever you know she jumps out of her car like she's ready to fight so at that point i'm defense i jump out the car too but by the time i make it around the the back of the car she back in her truck i'm like oh okay you pussy i see (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and i got on back in my car but it was just like like where the fuck did that come from (laughs) like i'm sitting in the car minding my fucking business bitch and i'm in the passenger seat clearly i wasn't dropping even if there was, you know, an issue, which there was not, I'm not driving. So why the fuck are you mad at me? And why the fuck I got to be a fucking man? My first day in Florida. My first, right, my first day in Florida. You know what I'm saying? So I don't fucking understand people. I just don't like seriously. Fuck those people. Yeah, I like just, what, what I would just possess can't. somebody to do that? I just don't. I don't. I can't. I literally just can't. I appreciate your defense mechanism is to laugh about it, Dana, because honestly, like... Mine's not. Mine's not. not. Like, mine's not. Like, I'm furious for you. Like... How do we become like you? How? Yeah. How do we become better fucking people who would just laugh about it? Because I wouldn't laugh about it. I don't think it's a matter of not being better people or good people or what have you. I think that it's just something that we deal with and have dealt with for so long that it's like first of all that shit's old (laughs) come up with something new 
Like if you call me a pickaninny or something like that, then you know what I'm saying. A porch monkey, call me a porch monkey. If if you got if you got to pick and choose a fucking derogatory word, make it good. Don't choose something from the fucking 1800s. Or for all of our listeners, maybe just don't. Maybe. Maybe just don't. Maybe just don't. Maybe just be a fucking human being. But that's honestly, that's not practical. It would be a wonderful world if they just didn't. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. But they do and they will. And it's taught. It's learned behavior. And that's something that we'll never get past as long as, you know, we have people alive, unfortunately. (laughs) You know, because look how long it's, I mean, look how long it's been. It's so funny, like, I was just looking back at something or, like, a music, it was something, I can't even remember exactly what it was at this point, but it hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my brother-in-law. We had a, a, a guy in a gang back in the 80s in Milwaukee, his name was Eric Adway, that was murdered by the police simply because he was in a gang and he had a lot of pull. You know, now I'm not gonna say he was this great guy. You know, he was on the football team and all that shit. I'm just saying, no matter what he did, he didn't deserve to be murdered Absolutely. by the police. I don't think anybody deserves to be murdered, especially by the police. To pedophiles. That's that, and that's right, and that's my point. You know, that that's to the point. You know, this shit is. It, look how long it's been. That was in the '80s. I was that was before I had kids and. You know, like this was a long time ago and it's nothing's changed. Nothing's, we think it, we thought it did. It seemed like it did. I just want to say a real quick disclaimer to our listeners because we just said that, uh, you know, if there are any listeners out there that feel the need to use derogatory terms towards anybody, don't. Uh, I want to go one step further and say, if you're a listener and you want to use those terms, please remove yourself from this podcast. We don't want you. Just bye. Very unpolitely fuck off. Like, you don't need to be one of our listeners. Just point blank. Like, bye. Thanks. Thanks. Love you. See you later. Never. Bye. So, Dana, I'm going to use your segue. All of that was so informative and offered such a perspective. And honestly, like... Allie and I are over here and we don't even know what life is right now. So <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take your comment about that was so long ago and shit has not really even changed back to my history, but please know I loved all of the information that you guys shared and all of the perspectives and I just wanted to bring this back uh to this because I thought some of the other things that I found not only describe and help us articulate where some of those statistics come from, Mm -hmm. but also I think are really important in understanding, again, what we're really talking about, which is why black women are undervalued in our society. So according to you guys, this website is real. I'm not making this up. According to ncbi.nlm.nih.gov. Okay. Real website, not affiliated to the NHL, MAB, NBA, whatever other acronyms we can come up with. Uh, The sexual reproductive health in black women has been compromised due to multiple experiences of racism, including discriminatory health care practices from slavery through the post-civil rights era. However, studies rarely... 
Thank you, Notebook. Considered how the historical underpinnings of racism negatively influenced the present day healthcare outcomes of black women. So to your point earlier, there there is a real statistic and my special guest Notebook and I are going to go find that about black women dying at a higher rate than white women in relation to childbirth. I know our listeners love the turning of the pages. I know. You guys, Special Guest Notebook is here. Don't doubt it. So in order to make the demographics make sense as it relates to those numbers, I did some research on population rates and stuff like that, and I got that information from blackdemographics.com. The current population of total females in our country is 166 million. Of that 166 million, 22 million are black women. I thought an interesting fact was that of all females, the median age is 39.6. Specifically black women, the median age is 36.1. So clearly black women on average do not live as long as white women or or women of any other color, Mm -hmm. which is interesting to think about, especially as we talk about the health care provided to black women, the um, other statistics that I don't want to get too ahead of myself in talking about, but specifically, like, why, why are black women not living as long as other women in society? Yeah. To the healthcare point, according to AmericanProgress.org, black women are four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes such as embolism and pregnancy-related hypertension than any other racial group, even today. Yeah. Science and technology and, and healthcare have come so fucking far. And even today black women are four times more likely to die in childbirth like one of the most routine things there are Mm -hmm. and i'm not minimizing complications in childbirth at all but how is that possible how is it possible that specifically this group of women have this issue at a higher rate than literally anybody else I feel like you're looking to me for an answer and i don't i'm just asking the question out loud i just really am Ladies, do you have any perspectives to add to that thought? Well, I know um, we're, we're, we're to, to go back to slavery. Okay. Take us there. Even though we were deemed as fetish, we were also looked at, looked at as strong. If we had big boobs or if we had a big butt, if we had big legs, that meant we could work harder. That meant we could take more pain. You weren't as fragile as like a white woman who weighed 90 pounds soaking wet? There you go. Again, this is thinking that's been hmm, cultivated over the years and to the point where now we're not looked like they don't take us serious. When we go to the doctor and tell them that we're in pain or we're hurting or something to that effect, mm-hmm. we're not taken serious. A lot of it also has to do with the drug, you know, the drugs and, you know, within the not just in the in the in the hood, drugs as a, a whole with the healthcare industry. You know what I'm saying? But it comes from an inherent thinking that, oh, we can we can handle it. There's nothing wrong with you. You're 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 fine. You know, they don't really look at it. I went to a doctor here in Florida for a year and she never fucking touched me. Mm-hmm. What? She really? 
she wrote my script every month and sent me on my way. So that was actually going to be one of my questions was, have you ever experienced racism in your health care or, or in your parenting or in your, in your children's health care? Like, I'm, I'm very curious because I have zero concept of that. I mean, really, I don't. So can either of you speak to that other than your, your example with your doctor, which absolutely fucking blows my mind because how can you they have they take an oath doctors take an oath Mm -hmm. how can you how can you claim that oath and claim yourself as a doctor if you're not willing to help every single patient i I mean i'll give it to you part of it is the healthcare system itself period i work in the healthcare system and in school they teach you that like you book let's say in a half an hour's time you're supposed to book a patient every 15 minutes so that's two patients in a half an hour, but they'll book four or six. So in the hopes that maybe someone won't show yep. up, maybe, you know, maybe some, you know, maybe they all won't show up, but if they all show up, then you've got like, what, seven to eight minutes per person per person. So part of it is the healthcare system in itself. But a lot of it, as far as Black women are concerned, we, we're just not taken seriously as far as pain or is concerned or as far as, uh, you know, I was just looking at, and I remember this when I saw it from a while back, a young lady went to the hospital complaining that she was going through some things and, you know, she was in pain and they basically told her, you know, she wasn't and she died from an embolism. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? This is, I want to say, once again, in the 90s. Uh, but yeah, a black, a black girl, young black girl. You know what I'm saying? They're, we're, they just, they don't take it serious. They don't complain. And then, too, goes back to a lot of us are on uh, Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Medicaid is a government-given asset, and they only do so much. They're only going to pay for so much. When I first got, the first time I got some benefits through my job, I was happy as a, boy, listen, let me tell you. I ain't going to go there. But I was real, real happy. Because I could go to any fucking doctor that I wanted. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, and not only that, but they listened to what I said. It all, That also makes a difference. Obviously. And most Black women, you know, are not able to have benefits like that a lot of us are on medicaid and they only do so much that's fair i'm gonna give taisha an opportunity this got my wheels turning too so remind me that i have ideas (laughs) miss taisha have you ever experienced racism in your health care or your children's health care or what are your thoughts here i don't know i don't i really low-key haven't experienced any of that like I'm not, if there's something wrong with my child, I'm not going to let you waste my time and I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to come to the hospital just on some bullshit. When I come to the hospital and I know something's wrong with my kid, you're going to take care of my kid. This is your job. This is what you, this is what you're getting paid for. So I'm not going to leave a hospital. I, I just feel like it's just how you stay on someone's ass. Like, you know, as a parent and as raising kids, like there's something wrong with my kid. He's telling me he's hurt. 
So Absolutely. don't try to say that my kid's lying. So what you're saying is my kid is lying. No, take care of my child. And when it comes for me, like, I don't know, I guess with my own experience, I haven't, like, I can literally go to my doctor right now. Like, I talk to my doctor a lot just with the fact that I'm getting older. I'm having anxiety. I've, I've had everything. You know what I mean? As being a parent, like, you go through a lot mentally and physically. So Real, it's like, parenting is hard as fuck. We say that, like, once yeah. an episode. <laughs> so you're going to go through a stage of parenting, like, you feel like you're about to fucking lose it. And when you ever feel like you're about to fucking lose it, that's when you need to go talk to somebody. I'm glad to hear that's a stage. That's where that mental health comes in. And a lot of people are not taking their mental health to a different, they're not, take, they're not taking it as serious. Like, bitch, I need my depression pills. Like, I swear to God, I run out, hey, doc, doc, you don't want me to go commit suicide or something, bitch, you better p- give me my shit. Like, you're not listening to me. I'm going to stay on your ass because I know how I am. Like, if you're not going to take care of me, I'm telling you, know the outcome of not giving me my medicine. So if you don't want to put my refill in, you know the outcome. I'm letting you, you know the outcome. So just give me my shit. It's good to hear that you're with somebody you feel safe with. Yeah, that is a huge deal. I don't know if we cut you off, Taisha, or if your internet got spotty, but I do appreciate you saying that, Allie. I think some of it, too, um, comes from our own race, Um, speaking to mental health. You know, it was always, you know, there wasn't the thing, you know, back in the day. You didn't, you know, if you had mental issues, you, (laughs) it it sounds crazy, but, you know, it's true. Like, sometimes they put you in the back room and you're just crazy uncle this or crazy auntie that. And, you know, they just chopped it up to, oh, they crazy, but we didn't we didn't seek out help for mental health there was no such thing you know what i'm saying and i think that something that i want to just say in general to that thought is talking about mental health for anyone is really difficult right because yeah it's just something that we all feel so insecure about and society as a whole makes people feel like they're fucking broken for talking about mental health but then to add this extra layer so like dear listeners please hear us say we understand that people who experience mental health issues like that's scary for everyone and that's difficult for everyone and taisha brings up a good point like you have to be relentless when it comes to talking to people and your doctors about what you need for your mental health but also Let's just take a step away from our personal experiences as white people Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that extra level of mental health issues that are brought on by, seriously, 450 years of trauma. Yeah. Generational trauma is such a real thing that people carry and they have no idea, right? And if you're not able to work through the generational trauma of the generation before you, literally, it's just adding on another brick that you carry on your back forever mm-hmm. and then you have to break mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's just like it's either you i don't know i i know that personally personally like i've done some fucked up shit i've done a lot of things but now that i'm older like yeah i regret some of the shit i did back then but a lot of shit did haunt me back then like a lot of shit happened growing up so like now that i'm older like 
it's starting to hit me more. So like me going like you can understand me, it now. Yeah. So like me going to my doctor, like I it took me a long time to go and talk to these people because I just felt like everyone was mm-hmm. against me. And no one understood what the fuck why I'm this way or no, you know what I mean? Like that's when you just have to like literally close your eyes and tell this bitch everything about your fucking life. Tell this bitch you this is why, like I don't know how to break this. Can you tell me why? Like, can you help me? Like, that's when you just have to like legit start being honest around the yeah. fucking table. Help me, bitch. I need your help. I, why? She's not gonna know why you why you want to come. Why are you depressed? She doesn't know this. She she. That's when you have to like. This is why. Like, I don't know how to get this off. I don't know how to get this off. I don't know how to get this off. I got ten kids at home. My nigga, my nigga's a fucking Debbie. I, I I'm I'm doing thirty things at once. And it's just like, how do I just break it down as one? Mm-hmm. Which is just so sad. Yeah. But you know what? For a long time, and, and I'm glad for your generation that you're now able to do that. But my mm-hmm. generation and the generation before oh, me. Oh, God, because they're going to use that against that. you. They're going to they try to take your kids and all. You feel me? We had to eat that <laughs> shit and keep it moving <laughs> because you just didn't, you didn't go. Look. Th- from way back. You just don't go to them white folks and be telling them your business. Hell yeah. <laughs> because once they get in your business... You're right. And so that was also a part of it. We, we couldn't go We couldn't go tell them we thought we was crazy or we thought we was doing this or we thought we wanted to kill our stuff. They're going to take our fucking kids. They're going to do this, that, and the other. So there were, there were there's reasons yeah. why you, know, you, you weren't able to do that back then. Now I'm glad that that there's that there's the strength in this in this generation to be able to to go forward and do that. But you you always you couldn't always do that. So that that made it that that much more difficult. Which is probably why the, this generation and the, well the generation following me, which would be Taisha's generation, goes through so much because we weren't able to really deal with it in the way that we were supposed to deal with it. I know my kids. <laughs> My kids went through some shit, baby. I was just talking about today, you know, like I I, I stayed with with my youngest three children. I stayed with their father from the time I was 19 to about six years ago. And that motherfucker put me through more shit than I could even fucking imagine. I could write a fucking book. And I and, and anybody that knows me and Taisha knows me. Her kids is my auntie. Taisha knows me. She <laughs> knows real. my people. She knows my family. She knows. I ain't lying. Cause she know him. She she know him. So yeah, you know, she she know I ain't lying. You know, but I, I was just talking about today, I was saying my daughter, she's going through something with the guy that she dealing with. You know what I'm saying? And I I feel guilt. Every time she call me and, and tell me anything or what she going through because I feel like she don't understand that she's worth more than that. So she thought it was okay. And I feel like she doesn't understand that she's worth more than that because I accepted so much and she saw me accept so much. My kids saw a lot of shit. And and so now she's she's got the mindset that she thinks it's okay and it's not okay. She's worth more than gold. She's priceless and she don't even realize. And that hurts my whole soul as a mother. I'm over here crying <laughs> right now. All right. Well, we didn't expect that this episode. Jeez. <laughs> you know, but it, it but it hurts. It hurts my soul 
as a mother to know that I might have passed that on. You know what I'm saying? You know what it is, Dana? It's because, like, you never got that. She never, she, you never got that, like, you never got the chance to really grip your daughter how you were supposed to grip your daughter as a mother. You know what I mean? Like, it took me a long time to realize, like, damn, back in the day, we couldn't say liars. Our parents, we could not speak about our household outside of our household. You cannot go to school. You cannot talk to these white people. What go in our household? Bitch, if you left this house and you go and tell these white people some shit outside my household, you know what's up. Yep. We cannot and that's how leave our house. We cannot, we cannot do that. Nowadays, like, I still stick to that. My kids know what's up, but I'm just way smarter, smarter this time. Like, I, I'm not going to treat my kids like my friends. That's one thing we're not going to do. When I tell you to jump, bitch, and you jump. You, if you ain't doing nothing, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Right. And that's when you, you think, have to change you your know, lifestyle. That's also a part of it. Yeah, it's about changing your lifestyle and really sa- are you going to sacrifice for your kids, for your for you not to go through it, to see your kids go through what you... You understand what the fuck I'm saying. But that's hell true. yeah, bitch, I sacrificed it. I sacrificed everything for these motherfuckers. Like, I don't give a fuck, like... If that means, bitch, I have to get my own dildo, bitch, I got it on the side of my bed right now. I got my shit. I know how to get myself up, and I am straight with that. Without, If I can save my kids, bitch, I'm going to save my kids. I know how to get myself up. I'm not, I don't need a dick inside me. I don't need a nigga. I don't need none of that. I learned, I taught myself how to be really independent just in case something ever happened to me. My kids can see the same thing I went through. I stayed independent for a reason. For you. It's about growing up. It is. It is. You grow and you learn. And you just have to structure your kids. A lot of people are not structuring their kids nowadays. And it comes about structuring your kids. If you cannot structure your kids, I don't give a fuck what it is. You got school in the morning? Okay. Well, here's your dinner. Here's this, this, this. is Bedtime. Your kids need structure throughout the day. Like right now, I'm going through hell and back with this fucking virtual learning shit. You got me fucked up. I don't get paid for this. I got to run a business. I got to do shit I got to do. But when you tell me that these kids have to be in school and they have to be on these laptops, do you know I have to leave out this door to go run errands? Do you know I have to leave out this door to go open a business? Do you know I have to leave out this door? Once I leave out this door and these kids are in the house, it's over. It's not no more virtual learning. They're not going to virtual learn shit. They're going to virtual learn an NBA Live <laughs> 2000. That's what the fuck they going to do. They're going to learn real world so, experience. Taisha's going to put them to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so, and I'm telling you, like, fuck, bitch, I do. I literally sit at this fucking house on these little fuckers' asses from 7.30 to fucking 3 o'clock. Like, what's up? Why, you ain't on lunch break, nigga. It's one o'clock. Right. Ding. Turn around. Look, I don't envy. I do not envy parents that <laughs> have brutal. to be it's so doing brutal. that, especially now with the curriculum changing the way it is. My kids, I was fucked up. I couldn't even help my kids with their fucking schoolwork. So I, so I can only imagine with in math. Oh, please, especially I'm with gonna that cry. core math bullshit. I, I, no. Listen, I'm gonna cry with, as soon as they pull out a piece of math paper. I'm gonna cry. So I'm not. Envy, y'all at home. Yeah, it's like my mental health 
Yeah, like my mental health right now, dealing with this shit, like, you know what? I can at least say the pandemic has been the best thing that ever happened in my life. Why do you feel that way, Taisha? Why I say that is because it made me realize a lot of things. Like for years, like it took me a long time to realize like everyone has their own opinion. Like, and this is gonna make me cry because it took me so long. Like everyone has their own opinion. Everyone has their own choices. Like everyone is not the same. God did not make us the same. So like this pandemic made me very a genuine person. It, it made me turn my my heart around it made me reteach myself how to be nice how to be genuine how to how to just be nice around the whole table how to how to be honest how to be truthful like just because like this world is fucked up right now like every time i get on facebook on a social network you see these people hurting like people are on facebook hurting you see the whole world is hurting at once like that is so fucked up it's so it's like man i know i'm not the only one that's fucked up right now it just made me like become a better person like very like more genuine, more like open. Like I gave so much, like I was so, I know a lot of people couldn't afford shit and I'm in a position like I got it to give, like I'll give you my last dime, like for just to like, for you not to hurt just because like we're in a crisis right now. One of the things that you said I thought was really beautiful was pointing out that even though 2020 has been an absolute shit show and been really terrible in a lot of regards, it's been really beautiful in regards to some aspects of humanity. Like a lot of it has been really, really beautiful and brought out some great things in people. I agree. I, I really appreciate that you said that also. And I think the thing that I, as I was hearing your perspective and what you were sharing, I think what it is, is that now we have to sit with ourselves. Like for the first time since, I don't know, the fucking cell phone was invented. We truly have to sit with ourselves and we have to like who we are as people and if we can't do that we're going to lose our fucking mind so like although outside of our houses right now is such a fucking nightmare like all we control mm -hmm. all we mm -hmm. can control is what happens in our own homes and with us as people and like that growth and reflection i think is truly beautiful also the experiences that we get to have with our kids that we normally wouldn't like I also fucking hate virtual learning like no fucking question <laughs> fuck virtual learning up and down but the quality time that I get to spend with tiny and to be able to have her on this podcast or the mm -hmm. time that you get to spend with moose like yeah that's so beautiful and we wouldn't have that otherwise so I hear you that it's hard and it's hectic and it's fucking impossible like I am so with you girl but at the same time I think that we all just in a way appreciate it at the same time you got to find the good in in everything absolutely absolutely i couldn't agree more so speaking of good uh i would love to transition to talking about some iconic black women in history wow. which then i want to bring into this conversation with you ladies so i found this information on bustle.com i specifically was looking for I used to be subscribed to Bustle. Bustle. I specifically was looking for black women in history that might not be as well known or as prevalent. And I did that because I don't understand why they're not well known or as prevalent, especially as I was looking at what these women have accomplished. Yeah. I feel like they should be talked about. So this is me taking that step. 
and talking about them because they deserve it. The first that I identified was Jane Bowden. She was the first black woman to graduate from Yale Law School, and she became the nation's first black woman judge in 1939. That's a huge deal for women as a whole. Mm -hmm. A a woman judge in 1930 fucking nine. (laughs) Like, that's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. But then also the fact that she was a black woman, like, that was amazing to me. So cheers to Jane. The next woman that I found was Dr. Alexa Canaday. She became the first black neurosurgeon in the U.S. in 1981. According to the U.S. National Library of Medicine, she helped save thousands of lives, mostly children, during her 20-year career. I also thought that was fascinating. Like, again, think about neurosurgery. Think Mm -hmm. about doctors as a whole. Like, Honestly, I can tell you in my youth, all the doctors that I knew were white men. I had one doctor who was Indian and that's it. Otherwise, they were all white men. Yeah. So to know that the first black woman neurosurgeon happened in 1981, that just honest, like I just appreciate that. I think that's what I'm getting at. I found Claudette Colvin. She actually was the first black girl at the age of 15 who refused to give up her bus seat for a white person. This happened months before Rosa Parks, like I said, was only 15. In 2009, Claudette told the New York Times, my mother told me to be quiet about what I did. She told me, let Rosa be the one. White people aren't going to bother Rosa. Her skin is lighter than yours and they like her. Which I thought was just crazy. Like, I understand that Rosa Parks was part of the political movement and her refusing to give up her seat was specifically a political move and cheers to her like seriously good for fucking her like no i'm not getting up Mm -hmm. i i totally love that but it's so interesting to me that this 15 year old girl did it before her and did not i mean the fact that her mom took the position like don't tell anybody yeah well yeah because that could have been detrimental to their family. Well, that was my other thought. It may not have panned out the way it panned out for, for Rosa, like she said. And I feel that she must have had some insight in that Rosa was lighter skinned, which she was. And I mean, it was already, we already had dissension within our race as it was, you know, light skinned, dark skinned, house nigga, field nigga. You know what I'm saying? So that could have been detrimental to her family. It could have caused her family to be murdered, killed, you know. So I can I, I can understand where where she would have told you know where she would have said you know don't say anything. If ain't nobody else said nothing, you don't say nothing either. Cause goddamn it, we could get fucked up around here. But also, if you think about it, look how the WNBA they're not recognized. Yeah. Like so, I think it's not just black women. Period. It's women around the table like these yeah, women well, are not being recognized show. why is why is the nba <laughs> being recognized it's just this yeah. whole like <laughs> shh. but the WNBA is like shh, shh, shh. like all the fuckers but mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> i agree it and we are gonna Stay tuned, everybody. We're having an episode on feminism and and the pay gap and all kinds of fucking shit because women are not treated equally as a whole. But again, like this. So 
that is so important to me to just highlight. Like, women as a whole are not valued in society the way that we should be. And then what just really frustrates me and is just such a conundrum to me is that then women are turning against women. Like, why do white women not empower women of other races? Why why are these conversations not more accessible? Like, Because heaven forbid there's competition. Heaven forbid, like, which is just so fucking stupid. Like, it's it shouldn't be a competition. I am learning so much from you ladies, and I really hope you as listeners are also learning a lot today because... This is just, this is such a beautiful fucking conversation. It makes me so happy. I, I was crying earlier, so. I know. Dana made us <laughs> cry. <laughs> Everybody is not as enlightened. Everybody does not have the same outlook that you have. So, you know, while we're not being political in any sense, you know, somebody would come along and still make a political stupid ass statement or, or you know, just a derogatory statement in general about things that we've experienced and this these are our experiences like it, it is what it is yeah i absolutely hear you and our favorite motto here is fuck the haters yeah you know i will say though during this pandemic and just prior to we've had a lot of black women capitalize on being entrepreneurs and being business but now you're just not being hush hush you know yeah. you I think more women are more, I don't know. I just feel like when I do get, you know, bitches talk shit. They don't talk shit, but I'm going to let you know. This is, you know, I don't know. This is not that. And I'm going to continue walking because. Well, there's always that much more, that much more work we have to put in on anything that it is that we do. I mean, and you you see that on all levels, you know what I'm saying? From all the way from the hood. Because black women are more hustlers. They're hustlers. They're hustlers. They like to grind. They like to get in the dirt and eat it. Once they start something, it's over. Like, I'm walking over you white bitches, and I'm going to make you white bitches get on my team. I'm going to show you more than I can tell you. So once I show you how to really check a bag, you're going to be like, damn, that bitch can check a bag. I'm going to jump on this bitch's team. And once you jump on this team, bitch, we're about to take off. So they don't really, they don't have that kind of sense. That's when we have to step in and give them that and show them how black women really get down. Like we eat, like we gonna eat, but shit's not just going to come for free though. So it's like you either, you gonna work for it or you just gonna, you gonna be broke. Bitch, I'm about to take off. I'm gonna work for it. I'm gonna do everything I got to do for this grind. Cause I need to eat. Allie has another woman that she wants to throw out uh, I, another influential black woman. I do. I had to Google cause I couldn't remember her name. In 1958, Mary Jackson became the first black female engineer at NASA, and after 34 years, she had earned the most senior engineering title available. That's amazing. Fucking NASA. Now, was she was she in that movie? She Yes, she yes. was the one that was represented in that movie. Okay. Hidden okay. Figures. Shout out yep. to Taraji P. Henson in, in Hidden Figures. Yep. Go cookie. <laughs> She's my spirit animal. We talked about Taraji in, in the white privilege episode also. And she is my spirit animal. I love her. Another woman that I found was Constance Baker Motley. She was the first black woman to become a federal judge. And she served in the New York State Senate. She once represented Martin Luther King Jr. And what I thought was 
fucking amazing was she won the nine out of 10 cases she argued in front of the Supreme Court. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to win yeah. a case in front of the Supreme Court? I, nine out of 10. Wow, that, that is amazing. That's a fucking incredible track record. Like, oh my God, that's amazing. It yeah. is. Uh, to your point about NASA. Yeah. Shout out to NASA. Please sponsor us. Dr. Mae Jemison was the first black woman astronaut to travel into space in 1992. Her accomplishments did not stop there, and she remains as an incredibly influential black woman even in today's society. She has all kinds of education programs and space programs that she runs and just like hats off to her like that's amazing fanny lou hammer fought for black people and the right to vote and she unfortunately suffered permanent injuries because of police beatings per pbs in 1964 she ran for congress as a member of the mississippi freedom democratic party which she helped fund And although she did not win that seat because uh, at the time the Democratic Party in Mississippi decided that it should be an all-white seat for some reason, you know, whatever, racism is terrible, um, her work was fundamental for the civil rights movement, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. To follow her, I found Dorothy Height, a civil rights activist who who is considered the unsung heroine of the civil rights era. According to the New York Times, she advocated for improving the lives of black women and also pushed for women's rights, in addition to leading the National Council of Negro Women for over 40 years. She helped fund the National Women's Political Caucus alongside feminist activists like Gloria Steinem. She received the Congressional Gold Medal for her work in 2004. It gives you it gives you hope for you know, little black girls, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. But and it needs to be talked about more. It like- does. I think that was why we wanted to have this episode is truly little black girls should have more people to look up to, more black women to look up to. And it's not that they don't exist. It's that they're not talked about. It's that they're hidden away for some reason. And, and I don't understand. We talked about in our episode last week, in our white privilege episode, that it's just, it, it's almost like a bad thing to have an idol that is of a different race than you. And I just can't, that's not something I can get behind. It's just not. I want my kids to love and idolize people of every single color, but they're not going to be able to do that if we're not talking about them. If those accomplishments aren't brought up and brought out, how are anybody going to do that? Absolutely. Again, a lot of that, a lot of that speaks to our educational system. Yep. And they're all Eurocentric. Mm -hmm. Like parents need to, parents need to speak up on it. You know, February is Black History Month. We have the same Black History reports for the last, 50 years. Right. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, the man that invented the peanut or peanut butter. (laughs) But you know, it's all the same fucking people and it's never ever a black woman. Speaking of black women, shout out to Sarah Bartman. She's uh, someone that's not talked about very much either. Tell us about her. Sarah Bartman was uh, Sarah Bartman was a slave. Sarah Bartman was a slave to the circus. Sarah Bartman was in the circus because she had huge, a huge behind. Booty. <laughs> she had, right. 
that part. She had a big old ass. <laughs> There's my girl. You know, but uh, you know, like like her features, her her physical features were so much so that white folks started to be like out of this world and they paid to see her. And she died penniless, if I'm not mistaken. I remember my history correct, but nobody ever talks about her because, you know, I guess because of the fact that she's known for that. But she was held captive in a circus for quite some time. And she was shuffled around from place to place and, and and put on display simply because she had a big ass and she had big titties. Well, that's something that we got. It is what it is. Oh, that makes me so fucking sad. But but at the same time, thank you for sharing that history with us. Like, it makes me sad because obviously nobody ever deserves to be treated that way. But I, at the same time, so genuinely appreciate you taking the time to educate us on that because I've never, I've never not only heard her name, but I didn't realize that slavery extended to a form of entertainment, which makes me sound ignorant as fuck. Like, I acknowledge that. But I really didn't know that. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was purely in the sense of manual labor or child care. So thank you for t- taking the time to tell us that. Anything they can do. Yeah. No problem. Anything they can get out of you, baby, they're going to get out of you. That's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And yet not shocking. Not shocking, but it's so disturbing that it is shocking. Not the fact that it actually happened, but I, I, that... The fact that it actually fucking happened. I don't know. I don't know how to explain how upset I am about hearing that because, like, that's a human life. That's a human fucking life. I don't know. Okay. Again, thank you for sharing that. Speaking of human life and statistics around black women, one of the biggest things that I wanted to talk about in the concept of statistics and how black women are treated and viewed and some of the experiences of black women in our society is specifically related to domestic violence. In my research, I found domestic violence is the number one health issue facing black women in today's society. So I really wanted to just take a minute to talk about that, share some numbers and statistics, and hear your experiences if either of you have that. So according to blackburncentor.org, one in three women and one in 10 men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. This is based on current data. Each year, domestic violence is estimated to affect about 10 million people in the United States. Of those 10 million people, more than 40% of black women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. According to the Institute of Women's Policy Research's status of black women in the U.S., in comparison, 31.5% of women as a whole will experience violence. So just so I can say those numbers side by side, the data shows that more than 40% of black women do experience domestic violence, whereas 31.5% of women as a whole will experience violence. So as a domestic abuse survivor, which we haven't ever gotten into before this moment, but here's me saying I'm a domestic abuse survivor, Those numbers are absolutely fucking real and they should disturb you. Mm -hmm. If they don't, again, you're welcome to leave our fucking podcast. Yep. Okay. 
A report from the National Center for Victims of Crime found that 53.8% of black women have experienced psychological abuse, while 41.2% of black women have experienced physical abuse. Black women are two and a half times more likely to be murdered by men than white women are, which just... In the, in the concept of us talking about how undervalued black women are in our society, to know that the death rate of black women is two and a half times more mm -hmm. than white women due to domestic violence. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. I'm not done, though. The overwhelming majority of these cases, 92% of the time, the person who killed them knew the victim, which is not uncommon, right? Like, most of the time, people don't go killing people they don't know. Like, yeah. except shout out to our serial killer episode. You can go check that out if you haven't heard that yet. But that's an alarming rate, period. But then you take 92% of the time, you know your murderer as an abuse victim, and you multiply that times two and a half times for black women. Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at math, but that's a pretty fucking conclusive equation to indicate that black women are being absolutely annihilated by domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. That's so fucked up. It is very much so. I think it speaks to, a lot of it speaks to alcohol, drugs, despair, poverty, <sighs> uh, anxiety. Like, there's so many different levels that uh, go into it. So many different reasons. Mental health. Again, it goes speak to mental health. We, we're, not, we're not allowed to say, hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man, first off. I'm a black man, second off. And I got some props. Yeah. That's three strikes right there. Who are you going to go tell that to? Mm -hmm. So who, and, and if you can't tell it to nobody, who are you going to take it out on? Right. The black woman in your home, there you go. which is just so fucked up and sad. And then to that point, according to this research, the number one reason that black women did not report or seek help is because they were afraid of the police. They were afraid of racism within the police there were also specific statistics against being afraid to report due to the systemic nature of the system that would then punish both the black man and also her. You actually just answered the question I was going to ask. Once again, right, once again, oh, they're going to take my kids. They're going to do this that, and the other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I was wondering if, you as a black woman would be more or less inclined to report an instance of domestic abuse because of uh, how it would be perceived by police or by mental health people. Mental health professionals. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. Work mental health hard. professionals because of like certain stigmas. Right, because then they want to know, well, why, where was this black man? Was the black man in your home? Oh, he was in your home? Oh, we're going to have to take you back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is so fucked up. And also, what I can add to that is, I've said before in other episodes, I'm not anti-cop specifically. I am anti-police as a structure. And what I can offer as a white woman who has experienced this is my experience, although different, isn't necessarily different in saying 
police are not built to respond to domestic abuse situations. They're just not. Mm -hmm. They may or may not eliminate the physical threat in that moment. But I can tell you as a victim of domestic abuse at the time, I no longer call myself a victim. I am a survivor of domestic abuse. But at the moment when I was very much a victim, nobody helped me. Nobody, Mm -hmm. they, they removed the threat from my home but nobody counseled me. Nobody comforted me. Nobody nobody made sure I was okay. That's not... They sent me somewhere else to seek help. But in that moment, I'm holding a six-month-old on my hip. I've been up for 48 hours. I'm covered in bruises. And, and they just left me there like that. So uh, again, that's my experience as a white woman. And then I try to bring myself to the position of what what you ladies are saying and saying... Not, I can't talk to anybody about it. It is a secret. If I tell anybody what happened, they're going to take my child away from me. Like Those aren't issues that I had to face as a white woman. And I can't imagine how difficult and how exacerbated the situation would be had those factors been real for me in my experience. So, Look, I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. I was, in, I was living in Green Bay. My, all my kids were were still young. They were, I'll say, 12 and under. And I went to the crisis center. I was going through some things in my own life. I was trying to get away from my kid's dad. I went to the crisis center because I was told that if you go there and tell them that you want to relocate to another place, they'll help you leave. They'll give you a bus ticket and do all this stuff. So I go. I go to the crisis center. I give them all the information. They made me go through all the motions. I mean, they filled out all this paperwork. They had me contact somebody in Minnesota that could vouch and say, yeah, I can come there so that when I got there, I wouldn't be just on the street with my kids. They did all this stuff for me. So I get a phone call one day. Okay, you can come pick up your tickets at such and such a time. Get my kids all dressed. They all clean. They neat get myself together, we go down there. I had a warrant <laughs> for, it was misdemeanor. It was must have been for a, like, um, okay. something fucking uh, stupid. Not obstruction, yeah. but something to that effect. It, it was very, very minor. It, it was a minor warrant. But don't you know, they called me down there because they I didn't know that they ran my name. When they ran my name, they saw I had a warrant. They called me down there, told me to come get my tickets. I'm sitting out in the lobby. My kids my kids can attest to this. I, I'm sitting in the lobby. I'm waiting. I see the police officers walk in, but I'm oblivious. I don't pay no attention. It's the crisis center. They come in and out of there all the time. They go in the back. They talk to the people. They come back out. They stop. Ask me my name. They fucking trapped you? Yeah. Told me I had a warrant for uh, that I was all it was on the tip of my tongue. Again, it was very minor, something like obstruction. It wasn't disorderly conduct. Yeah. That's what it was. Disorderly oh, conduct. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so you exchanged some harsh words with someone yeah. else. Cool. Disorderly conduct, and they took my black ass to jail. They sure did. Had it not been for the lady that took me, that drove me down there. My, they probably would have took my kids, too. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm furious. I'm furious at that story. 
and thank you for sharing it with us. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that. I'm so sorry you went through that. And I'm so fucking pissed that the system is so fucking broken that anybody could do that to you or your children. Like, you needed help in that moment. And instead of helping, they absolutely betrayed you. On fucking stupid ass trumped up charges exactly. that are just absolute bullshit. Right. I mean, I could have seen if it was like a theft charge. I could have seen if it was yeah, something like that, but a disorderly conduct ticket. Yeah, it, or if you if, were like, if it was something a serious drug that I got out on, like that, that I, it was probably a Friday because that was always my luck. I'll be in jail on a fucking Friday, and you know, I had to pick weekend. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that was that was a, a very pivotal point in recovery and a lot of mental health that uh stuff that I was going through because again this was my way of trying to make myself better and you guys said you would help with doing that as being the crisis center and they instead of doing that they did the exact opposite yeah yeah well, yeah. and I think what even makes that listeners, dear listeners, what makes this even fucking worse, let's go back to she had her children with her. Dana, you had your children with you. Like they not only fucked you over, but you're right. Had you not had that person who drove you to take your children, they would have literally taken your children away from you. And one, I mean, let's call it, let's call it what it is. Once mm-hmm. kids are in the system, it's so fucking difficult to get them out of the system. And in this situation, I, I actually I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I actually did have that happen to me another time. I, and, and granted, you know, I'm, I'm not shy to say that I've been locked up more than my share, but I've never had a felony and I've never had anything violent. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's always been misdemeanor. And we love you no matter what. So thank you for sharing that with us. I uh, got pulled over with my kid's dad. I knew I had a warrant for driving. I gave them a fake name. I got away. I was working. Zeppelins used to be out on university. Zeppelins had moved to where, uh, right downtown, right there on Washington building. Uh, there's, there's a club downstairs, but there's, it's like APAC or something upstairs. So uh, Zeppelins moved down there and I was working there. And uh, I was cool with the supervisor. The police called the supervisor and told them that they were coming to the job to arrest. The supervisor told me. So I left. I left and slept, walked right past the police. I went to a friend's house. In the meantime, they, they realized that they they had missed me. So what they did was they went to my house. I lived on 9th and Taylor in one of those apartments out there. And my oldest son was there. At the time, he was 17. My youngest son was there. I can't tell you how old he was, but all the rest of the kids were under 17. But my oldest son was 17 years old, meaning he can be at my house with my kid by themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I started babysitting at 13. Like, that's real. Well, they they decided they was going to be nasty. They took my kids and put them in foster care until, again, it was a Friday, until that Monday. Because, you know, you they'll let you contact the, the, and this is how minor it was, they'll let you contact the judge for a warrant quash. I don't know if you guys are familiar with a warrant quash. But if you have a misdemeanor warrant and you missed your court date, and it's 
uh, a misdemeanor charge, you can contact the court and ask for a warrant quash, meaning you go, you walk in at a certain time, and I want to say it's, can't even remember the judge now, but at any rate, he, he'll hear your case, and they'll quash the warrant, meaning they'll get rid of the warrant, and he'll either figure out what you're going to do right then and there, or they'll set that court date out for another day. So that's what they did. I went that Monday. That's when they brought my kids back to me. So they literally Jesus just... Christ. They literally just took your kids... To prove a point. To prove a point, and... To swing I mean, because what fucking around. point? But also... To just fuck with your life? Basically. I've been questioned by the police. Oh, I know you know something about this, that, and the third. And if you don't tell us the information that we want, we're going to take your kids. They literally said the words to me. That's so not shocking. And yet I am in shock. And what I just want to say to our listeners is if you're a black woman in another area of the country who has a similar experience to this, we would love to hear from you because I think that truly just speaks to how deeply rooted systemic racism is. And also for me personally, Dana, your experience and your story just gave systemic racism a whole new face for me. It, it, it took it to a place that is so tangible because I can relate to I can relate to your story on a lot of levels, and yet I, I can't imagine experiencing that on a lot of other fucking levels. Mm -hmm. So I just want to throw that out to all of our listeners. Like, please just please hear that story with all of the good intention that is behind that story and truly bringing to light exactly what we are trying to talk about today, exactly what we are talking about today. Literally put yourself in Dana's shoes because if you're not a black woman, you can't experience it. Right. And if you're not a black woman, but you are a parent, either a, a father or a mother, imagine somebody setting you up to take away your fucking kids, like just uh, to fuck with you, just just to, for the sake of fucking with you. On a stupid ass, on a stupid ass little charge. Like right. it's, it's when you needed help. Right. Like that's just so absolutely upsetting to me so i really appreciate you sharing that story with us taisha do you have any stories or or perspectives to add to this share with this thought process no okay you know what though i'm really glad i'm really glad that you don't though like honestly honest to god like you are fierce as fuck you i, I have been around you i love your energy it is so big and so bold and any any man who would fuck with you like that is going to end up dead. Like, we all know that. So I love that about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love that you don't He's have that experience. Me. So I'm not even mad that you can't speak to that. I'm honestly not. Same. You're looking at me I like just, a... Because I yes, thought you were going to talk. Same here. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I just think nowadays, like, you know, bitches are grimy. Like, I legit... Okay, so maybe I do have a story. Um... So my landlord was is a stripper, right? So we have the same job. And her boyfriend owned this complex, this apartment complex. So long story short, she ended up, you know, like doing some bogus ass shit, running off with our rent and things like that. So the process of her running off, she called CPS on me and told that I was selling drugs at my house and I have a stripper pole that's in my living room and I exposed my kids. So CPS did come to my house. I'm like, hold on real quick. 
But what you're not going to do is, I'm not going to play with any of these bitches that called you. Yes, I have a poll, and I work, like, 10,000 jobs right now. Like, I write up a check. So all the rest of this shit is just a bitch being evil and not just being evil for you just to call CPS. So I think nowadays, bitch, like, you beef with a bitch, they'll call CPS on you and just make up things. I do appreciate that you shared that, though, because... I think what what's so important to recognize in in that perspective, Taisha, is that again, CPS is a government function. Now, I'm not saying that all CPS social workers are trash. I'm not saying that, but CPS as a function is not built to actually help children. I I can speak to that to personal experience as well. Very very fucking deeply and even as a white woman cps was not built to help my child through some pretty horrifying shit so again i look at it from that perspective of i lived through horrifying fucking shit in relation to cps i can't imagine what it would be like to be a black woman or a black family at all and have the experience of working with cps which is again built to not only fail my child but built to work against me as a woman because of the color of my skin that's just not sway opinion it's just having the upper hand on somebody and taking advantage of them so they're taking that job and they're what the fuck just because you're higher than me, don't, bitch, this is not that. That's what it is. They're taking your, they're taking their advantage. Without elaborating, my family, some of my family is going through that right now. And it's, when I tell you, it's, it's amazing the things that people will say just to sway an opinion uh, of you. They're definitely using it. They're using it, yeah. So, and, and I agree, all of, yeah, I agree, all of them are not bad, but. It's the concept of their actual organization. It's not necessarily the social workers. It's the limitations that the system, right? I'm putting system in air quotes, but the overlying system is placing on that function that is supposed to help our society and yet it's actually very detrimental and even more so to people of color it is but then you are right and then you but you also have to play into yeah it is a system but people absolutely absolutely and these are the same people that think you a nigger when they not at work Mm -hmm. they don't got nothing to do with their work nothing whatsoever these the same people that think you a nigger, that think you a drug dealer, that think you a drug user, that think you a hoe, that think you a prostitute, that think you this, that think you that. Because you can be all of those things that still don't make you a bad person. I don't give a fuck if you blue. Or a bad mother. Or a bad parent. I don't give a fuck if you mm-hmm. blue with purple polka dots on your ass. Don't none of that mean shit. It's the person that you are. Yeah, I might do some fucked up things that don't make me a fucked up person. And people don't understand that. And it goes that much further when mm-hmm. white folks or people in general, because it ain't just white folks that don't like niggas. It ain't just white folks that don't like niggas. So it goes even that much deeper because really don't nobody like us. People come from all the way from cross seas, don't know a fuck thing about America and come all the way over here and treat us just how white folks have been treating us all along. So it ain't just white people. I need to stop. People, we need, we 
as a people need to stop saying that because it ain't just white people it's all people that don't really like black people even and some of them people is even lower than us and they don't even realize <laughs> i mean you know on the totem pole i'm not saying i feel i'm saying on the totem pole they even lower than us and they don't even realize it but they riding with what they didn't hear society here in america say about us I really appreciate that you said that. And I want you to hear me say, I did not think that you were saying that you're above anybody. I I know that you meant on a socioeconomic or on just the way that our society has built the ladder of succession. Yeah. Like I hear yeah. you say that. So yeah. I just want to be clear. Mm-hmm. But what I think is so, so important to call out about that is historically black people have been demonized to such a degree that you're right. Dana, people from all over the world who are not black people have just such a horrifying perception of black people in America specifically because of how demonized y'all have been for 450 plus years. And that's that's just so wrong. And I, I just want to shout out back to our episode from last week on white privilege that's such an important piece that people need to recognize about why white privilege is real and also consider in that pyramid of white supremacy that we talked about. And this is why it exists. Because as a society, we find it so easy to demonize people who are different than us. And look at the impact that that makes. Look at how All over the world, people think that Americans are X, but then don't worry because there's another group of Americans who are black and they're the worst. That shouldn't exist. It's always going to be about who you can step on to make yourself feel better. Which is so fucked up. Like, so fucked up. Right. We even the worst of the worst. What's next to that? Okay, so yes, thank (laughs) thank you for getting so deep with us on that, ladies. Like, seriously, I... I love this. We are, uh, Allie is going to have to leave soonish. So I want us to have some quality time to talk through our questions. But seriously, I, oh my God, I cannot tell you what this conversation means to me, even just as a white ally, but for this podcast also, like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I literally just want to stand up and cheer after you guys start know, talking every time. I know, time and I want to like, like hug you both like, so hard right now. Also, like, I'm just waving with my foot. She can't she needs to stay in her corner. <laughs> well, I'll be there for Christmas. I'll collect my hugs and, and gifts. To you. Okay. <laughs> we will bring hugs for Christmas. We will absolutely do that. Okay. So um, my questions are just a couple, again, because honestly, this isn't our normal, typical format, but both of you had so many amazing things to talk about that I, you crossed off a lot of my questions. So my first question for you ladies is who is the most influential person and or woman in your life? Like when you think about growing up, who was the most influential person for you as a little black girl looking up to? Like who was that? Well, I I have two. I want to hear both of them. Both names are Ruth. Ruth, the, the first Ruth was my grandmother. I talked about her earlier. Amazing woman. Definitely... Mm-hmm. made me love the way that I, as hard as I love today. The second woman is actually my kid's grandmother. She's no longer with us, God rest her soul. Um, she was very, very instrumental in teaching me how to be a woman. Teaching me 
responsibility. I didn't always, now don't get me wrong, I didn't always follow everything she said, she said but you know, <laughs> as far as like, she taught me how to cook. She taught me how to make sure my bills were paid, whether I paid them or not. Um, she, <laughs> she, but I knew how. But, right, but she, she was very, very instrumental in me becoming part of who I am today. I would have to say that. I love both of those answers. I do. Cheers to Ruth's. Miss Taisha, do you have a most influential person or woman in your life when you were growing up? Um, actually, just my mom and my grandma. I mean, around the whole table. I think what I want to share with you guys about those answers is I, I honest to God didn't expect those answers. And I think that that is a cultural difference between white people and black people in general is when I think about an influential person for me, it's somebody like outside of my family. Like, yes, I have influential people in my family and I'm not speaking for Allie. I, I would love to hear your answer too. But when I think about an influential person, it's outside of like my immediate circle. But what I think is so beautiful about your answers is the most influential people in your life were in your circle. Like that's really beautiful. What, what would your answer be, Allie? Mine's my mom. All right. I mean, mine is my mom, but I also think that I was very heavily influenced by external factors as well. Uh, I can't speak to that fact. I, I really wasn't. Mine truly is my mom. Okay. Well, cheers to influential people as a whole, no yeah. matter what that means to you. Yeah. Wherever you get your power from. Yeah. Own it. Okay. I love that. Okay. My next question is, who do you believe the most influential black woman is in society today? Going for it with Michelle, the most glamorous first lady we've ever. Cheers to most, Michelle. Most glamorous black first lady we've ever had. I would have to say Michelle, hands down. Miss Taisha, who do you believe in your perspective? I would have to say Michelle. I would have to say Michelle too, because she work. She working her shit. She's strutting her shit like the bitch is bad. Like. You're bad, smart, intelligent at one. Like, and she she's working for her shit. She's getting out here. Like, she want us all as one, all as one. So as she want us all as one, she's living that lifestyle too. Because this is, you know what I mean. Like, it's not just me. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's all of us. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I love her. She's a, a a gorgeous black woman. She's a wonderful black wife. She's a great black mother and she's a great black role model for yeah. any little girl or any young woman out here that thinks that they can't achieve something or be heard. I think she definitely made it clear that we can be heard. I also appreciate how much she separated herself from just being the first lady. Agreed. You know what I mean? She was the first lady yeah. like she was her own thing she was and also she kind of in a way reminded me the the approach that she took in how seriously she took her job reminded me so much of like eleanor roosevelt yeah and and like truly to embody what it means to be the first lady i couldn't agree with you ladies more in my perspective, she is the most influential black woman in our society today. 
I think the other a close second for me would probably be Beyonce just because she does so much good and Dana's laughing Dana's giggling um just she just does so much good in exposing black culture as a whole and in such a true to the roots kind of a way Mm -hmm. I just think that that's really beautiful so that would be my contribution it is awesome I love that what do you wish that society would change immediately about the perspective or treatment about black women? So we're going to grab our magic wand and we're going to fix one thing. What would that one thing be in your opinion? I'd have to say healthcare. Okay. I I can get down with fixing healthcare. Miss mm-hmm. Taisha, what would your answer be? God. Yeah. Can I, can, can you come back with that one? It was my last question. <laughs> uh, if you want to piggyback off of our answer of healthcare, you totally can. Yeah. Healthcare. <laughs> I know it's like a really big question. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much we can do. <laughs> then we're all in favor of healthcare. Do you have a different answer, Allie? No, I have a question. Okay, what's your question? Do you guys feel like it's getting better or worse or where are we at? I just want I want oh, a temperature a gauge. Temperature gauge it up. I feel like we're at a stalemate. Yeah. Unfortunately. I was just saying that to somebody earlier. You know, we, we, we really thought it was better. We did. Mm-hmm. It made it look really good. It's not better. We're at a stalemate. Tomorrow's going to tell it all, though. <clears throat> Yeah, I hear you. But what I think is just so interesting about your answer, Dana, of it being at a stalemate and and also to expand on that of they made it look so good. I honestly think that that's why George Floyd's death and Breonna Taylor's death and, and all of the shit that's in the media right now, specifically around the black community, is so shell shocking to white people i really think that because society did such a good job of not only normalizing racism but then to your point making it look like like as a society we were moving forward and progress was happening they were doing such a good job of hiding all of the negative shit that was still happening behind the curtain and then to see george floyd die on camera crying for his mother like just absolutely rocked everyone and made us all realize like oh fuck this is not gone this is still absolutely here and that's Mm -hmm. just that's a realization that I personally hadn't come to so I appreciate your answer of like even the black community thought that it was getting better and yet it absolutely didn't move at all my next question is, and Miss Taisha, I want to start with you this time. What is your favorite part of Black culture, or what is the most meaningful part of Black culture to you? I think it's really like my family as one. We spend a lot of time together. Um, just the fact that I say that is because, like, right now, my mom's mar- my mom just got married to a different man. My dad, he's old as fuck. You know, he got babies with a white woman and, you know, he, he did his role. But now that as one, like my mom still comes around 
you know what I mean? They have no like harsh feelings. Like it's all like, I, it's family. There's no stepbrothers. There's no stepsisters. Like, no, this is your brother. This is your sister. Like when shit gets real, your family is the only one who really has your bag, but you also have to live by that too. So I think that's a great answer. No, I love that answer. No, I really that do. Was, that was beautiful. It was beautiful. Miss Dana, what, what would your answer be to what is your favorite part of Black culture or the most meaningful part of Black culture to you? I would have to say it would probably be family as well. Um, it's a little hard for me because, again, all my kids are grown now. And so it's just me and my husband. And I've remarried. Like, I'm not with my youngest three for the last six years, I haven't been with him. I've been married three years, well, three years uh, in March. And so it's a different life for me with me just being on my own because I've never, ever been on my own. Um, mm-hmm. So but so I would have to say family. But one of the things that I love, <laughs> this is so crazy. I love to see a whole group of Black folks. And everybody's smiling. Oh, I love yeah. that answer. You know what's crazy? I went to a club last weekend. Normal Saturday night, normal club. They playing normal club music. But I stopped for a minute and I just like kind of looked around. Nothing but black folks, as far as the eye can see. But everybody was happy. Oh, I love that. In that in that in that in that moment, everybody was happy. Everybody was smiling. Everybody was having a good time. And I think that's what sticks out the most to me because I can remember being a little girl and going to different functions and events, and everybody was happy. I told you I didn't experience racism until I was in the So I, uh, my, in my mind, we were always happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that answer too. And, mm-hmm. And to, so to see a big group of Black folks, because, you know, they think we get together, we fight, we fuss, we argue, we, you know, go through changes. And we do sometimes. But that was just, that touched me. Like, that really touched me to see all these faces smiling and having a good time. So I think that's what sticks out to me the most for, as far as our culture is concerned. Because while y'all party good, I love that answer both of those were amazing answers and oh that gave me all the happy so thank you so much so thank you ladies so 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 much this was such an amazing conversation and I cannot tell you what this means to me personally it was incredible we are so grateful to both of you for your perspective and like my brain is still somewhere over there on the wall from being mind blown five minutes into talking to you guys. I can see it over there. (laughs) But also I just really, I want to say thank you so much for your candidness and for just being so open and real with us about your experiences. And I hope that our listeners can truly take away from what you've shared with us, what we're taking away from this experience is just how, truly beautiful and strong and resilient and brave not only you women are 
in sharing your stories with us, but knowing that there are millions of black women out there who have stories that look just like this, like, I just have such a deep, meaningful, beautiful respect for black women. And I hope that your stories help other people gain even a sliver of that respect because it's necessary and it's owed. Dear listeners, if these ladies didn't affect your hearts in some way, shape, or form, join me on the dead inside but you can't even say life, that because you're not dead inside. Because I know. You were, you were like crying I'm, here I'm with me. I'm just offering some sort of olive branch. <laughs> Listen, if these women did not make your feels feel something, just you fucking are done with life. You're There's no hope for you. Goodbye. <laughs> Except come back because we actually still love you. Yes. There's hope for you. We're lying. Unless there's you're racist, you. then go. No, Bye. racist can fucking go. We hate you. Goodbye. So sincerely, ladies, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely loved every single second of it. Both of you were so amazing. I I hope that you enjoyed your time with us as much as we enjoyed our time with you. Thank you. I absolutely did. I thank you very much for having me uh, or having us and uh, wanting to hear, you know, just a little bit of our lives and what goes on with us. I do want you to know that because I don't know if we touched upon it, but we are strong. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we talked about a lot of weakness, but we are very, very strong because we're still here. Um, and we're not going anywhere. Hell no. Hell no. I, I don't think, I personally didn't interpret anything that we talked about as weakness. I think the fact that we talked about it and that black women are still, I mean, seriously, just on but- a very scientific level we literally talked about how the country has historically tried to extinguish black women and y'all are still here like that if that's not a testament to your strength like i i don't fucking know what is literally all i got was strength this whole time. exactly all i got i'm just over here overwhelmed with strength so i appreciate you saying that in the event that anybody else were to hear that the conversations we had were about weakness because i i 100 million percent took every single example and every single story we talked about as absolute pure strength. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I thank you for that. Absolutely. Well, I'm starving. I'm going to eat dinner. So you, you ladies have a beautiful rest of your night. Thank you, ladies. See you soon. You too. You too. Bye, Bye, ladies. For our listeners, we are having this conversation about what we learned here today after the fact because our special guests had shit that they had to do so we just wanted to come back and recap and have this conversation about what we learned because that's a very typical part of our process we're not excluding anybody but we realized that we didn't get to do it while they were on the call with us and you know we just wanted to circle back and make sure that we stuck to our form as much as possible because honestly that what did we learn here today is one of my favorite parts of our episodes mm-hmm. so we wanted to come back and have this moment with you as our listeners about what we learned here today whole conversation and now we're just staring at each other that's amazing are you gonna ask me what i learned here today (laughs) dear Allie, what did you learn here today i think one of the things that was the most mind-blowing for me which was right away was when dana mentioned the whole welfare aspect Mm -hmm. and how it helped to keep the black man out 
of the home, mm-hmm. which just impacted black women even more, that just completely Yeah. No, I blew think that's real. I think that's so real. And I would agree with you. Hearing her share that perspective was not only deeply disturbing to me, but also so eye-opening mm-hmm. to me. What did you learn? So much. Well, yes. So much. Well, I, I'm just really struggling with, with processing how much I've learned here today. And to be perfectly honest, as an ally of this community, I'm still blown away by what I've learned here today. Like, I, I think that's, I think that's part of, I think that's part of it is what I learned here today is there are infinite perspectives to be gained. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no way that you could ever understand another culture. And, and this sounds so silly, but there is no way that you could ever understand what another culture has experienced, especially black people. And then again, let's add another tier to that black women yeah there's no way we could ever understand what black women have experienced that's why we have to keep asking it is why we have to keep asking and i think that that's what i learned here today Mm -hmm. and i'm of the position to always ask questions and to always listen and to always be open to these conversations but truly what i learned here today is just keep asking that's what i want today's lesson to be from me Dear listeners, we'd love to know what you learned here today. We hope you learned something today because these ladies had such an amazing abundance of knowledge and wisdom to share with us. Yeah. And I just, I want to, because we're doing this circle back moment, I really just want to, for a second, share with you guys how much I appreciate the difference in Dana's personality and Taisha's personality and recognize that they are both equally beautiful fucking people. Agreed. They are both so smart and so intelligent and so strong and so fucking beautiful inside and out. So truly, this isn't me picking a favorite. I don't have a favorite. What I'm saying is their personalities were so different. I hope that you can appreciate how different both of them are in the ways that they are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, Taisha is just, she's just, all fire. Mm-hmm. All fire. I love her. And Dana is so sweet and so good. And yet, you know, there's fire in there. Mm-hmm. And they're just so beautiful, both of them. And I can't express how grateful. My heart is so happy right now. I'm actually shaking a little bit with just pride. And, and I'm so honored to be able to have had those conversations, these conversations. We are incredibly grateful to everyone that's joining us on this journey this month. That goes for our guests, you, our listeners, everybody. Each other. Each other. Fuck. Oh my God. Axel. <laughs> Axel and Static. <laughs> Static is actually locked away watching Garfield right now because I, we couldn't deal with him. He was being a sassy baby beast. But seriously, you guys, when, when Dana was talking about her daughter and her daughter's self-worth and how she, she felt a sense of guilt... I literally, if I had been having this conversation with Dana by myself, I would have, I would have been a fucking wreck. I literally reached over and grabbed Allie's hand and started crying. Like, so for us to be doing this together Mm -hmm. and then also for us to be doing this with you and for you to be doing it with us, 
I just, I want to echo Allie and say how much we appreciate you guys being on this journey with us and how important this is to us. And I mean, yeah, No Fucks Given November isn't our normal, typical, cute, funny, bubbly self that you guys have loved up until this moment, but what we're doing is real. The conversations we're having are real. And if anybody thought coming into this podcast that we were just going to be two beautiful, funny, fouled mouth women who talk about stupid shit, like, you are wrong. Mm-hmm. We might talk about random shit sometimes, but we're here talking about taboo culture because it's important to someone. Yep. A specific episode might not be important to you, but you don't know what that specific episode means to someone else. So thank you for being on the journey with us. I can't tell you what that means to us. I'm going to use that as an awkward segue Segway to plug away. our Patreon. <laughs> Ooh, Patreon page. If you want to uh, support this journey, we do have a Patreon where you can... Can we explain the tiers? Because I'm, I'm so proud of them. I think they're adorable. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so the first tier, you can take a shot with us, and that is a $5 monthly subscription. The next tier is you can have a pint and that is a $10 a month subscription. And the last tier is you can have a bottle, the whole dang bottle. I think it says damn bottle, dang bottle. I don't know. We're an explicit podcast and you can't even search us on Patreon. You have to go through some door on our website to find us. So I probably said damn. Actually, it's in our show notes. It's in our show notes. But otherwise, like if you tried to find us on Patreon, we're a quote unquote explicit because those fucking assholes at Patreon don't like that I say fucking asshole too much. Just kidding. Thanks, Patreon, for having us on Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm mad that you censor my language. So I'm not sure if it says dang or damn, but the whole damn bottle because we are taboos and you know how punny that is because I'm the one with the jokes. (laughs) Ha ha. Also, to clarify, there are things within those tiers. You're not just taking imaginary drinks with us. Oh, I totally was just so excited about the tier titles. And also, I was I got so thrown off about my foul language that I forgot to tell you that the bottle tier is a $25 per month <laughs> <laughs> subscription. I didn't think about it. Jesus. That's why I was like, 25. We totally just murdered that. So, you know, welcome to our Taboos. Sh- this is our sh- <laughs> See, this we are show. still here. If you want to support this, <laughs> go See, there. We are still here. We are still our very normal, fucking weird, stupid selves. Like, nothing has changed. We just talk about real shit also. All that. Yes. There uh, are some cool things on those tiers, though, guys. Yes. One of them's a conversation with us. I don't know. That could be good or bad for you, <laughs> whatever way. And, okay, so I'm so excited about the conversation with us that I want to just add to that thought. Not only is it a conversation with us, but I, or maybe Allie, but probably I, will edit it and make it your own little personal mini-sode, and then we'll send you the episode for you, so you have your own little personal podcast episode, and we can talk about whatever the fuck you want to, whether that's taboo culture, or you want to talk about us, or you want to talk about you, or who the fuck knows. Let life take us where it takes us, but we will make you a little mini-sode. So all that can be found in our show notes. Yes. Also, the Patreon page will include merch opportunities because we have decided our vendor for our merch and we are getting that ball rolling. So a lot of you have been very, very bossy about merch. Jesus Christ, Jordan. Jordan. 
We're looking at you very specifically. Uh, and Just kidding. We love and appreciate that do. you want our gear on your body. <laughs> we, we really do, but also so bossy. <laughs> <laughs> so we are working on merch that is coming, and that will be an extension of the Patreon options also. Um, stickers, shirts. We have a sticker idea that I'm literally so fucking excited about. Um, yeah. A soundtrack of Allie's no. papaws. I think that should be a, a Patreon item. That's Blue's Clues. A certain a certain somebody wants to send us words for me to pronounce. Oh, really? Laren. Oh, Lair Bear. Words what? for us to say. Mm-hmm. He just wants to hear me say nuclear. I fucking know it. And probably binocular. You know what else he probably wants from us? Which should be... I think we even talked about this. Lair, if you're listening, know that we talk about you often with so much love. He probably wants to hear us do our hello phone call. Oh, yes, yes. So That, that should be a bonus. It that is should a be bonus. a Patreon thing. It is a Patreon thing. Now, this is us telling you, if you want to hear our hello phone call in a true Wisconsin accent, it it's an excerpt from... The Making a Murderer series on Netflix with a very heavy, very traditional Manitowoc, Wisconsin accent. Allie and I reiterate this conversation and we do it very well with a very real accent. That's going to be an item on our Patreon page as well. So if you really want to hear us like break out some real fucking Wisconsin words and accent, you're going to want to subscribe to our Patreon. If you want to contact us, God, someday, like I said, I won't be dying. If you want to contact us, our link tree to all of our socials will be in our show notes as well. I'm tired of plugging all of those. I trust that you guys know how to internet. Internet's so hard. There we go. Just like we navigate so hard. Oh, we're terrible navigators. Can I tell one quick story? No. It's a Patreon episode bonus. <laughs> I need to go home and go to bed. Okay, we're going now. Okay, we love you guys. Love you guys. On to the next part of this. Ooh, the next part's going to be so amazing also, so stay tuned. More race shit. Here we go. And on that, do, do you be taboos. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.